When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Ruler podcast. The standout team of this year's pro season have been quick-step floors, as much for their versatility as their outright victories, which included points jersey and five stages in the Giro, the mountains jersey and four stages in the Tour de France, four stages in the Vuelta, overall in the Tour of Britain, team time trial at the World Championships and an impressive spring in the classics and one-day races. So what makes a great, consistent team? Well, one man who knows is Quickstep Director Sportif and Ruler Regular Brian Holm. At the Ruler Classic at the beginning of November, he talked about motivating riders, building team spirit and the role of the mysterious road captain. Being a road captain is a very, very underestimated function in world of cycling. I worked with uh, Hinka P, perfect, Eisel, fantastic, Lars Bach with Quickstep, Ego Kaiser, piece of art. Michael Merkow, fantastic. A road captain is a writer who's also a bit of sports director. He's a writer when we're leaving. 10, he's going to be there 5 to 10. He's going to tell his colleagues, coming too late, gentlemen, we're leaving on time. Is the sort of a writer who can dare to talk on the radio. Keep in mind when we're sitting in the team car, it might take before we know the breakaway, could be too late. 12 riders gone. It's maybe take us 10, 10 kilometers before we hear the numbers. So a good road captain is a rider who dares to take some responsibility in the race. As a guy who can take to his colleagues, can say, move your fat ass to the front now, we start to chase. Who really dares to take some uh, decisions in the race. And it's maybe sound easy, but it's not. You, you have to get used to hear your own voice on the radio there to take you the fight with your colleagues and somebody who we got a really, really good nose for for cycling. And they, that's somebody's just born to do it again, like Bernhard Eisel, Elio Kaiser. Still riders, they're winning. They're winning. Uh, we still consider them as domestic, but still a hell of a good cyclist, all of them. And with a team, you could never make a team without a good road captain. It's somebody who really can, can take the responsibility. I think it's important all riders have, I mean, you have to know when you do something why you do it. You need a reason to train 200 kilometers in the rain, in the cold. You, you, you need some dreams, you need some ambitions. I don't think you can do that job without ambitions. If you have no ambition, you quit, you go home. That's not possible. It's not possible to risk your life if you don't have ambitions. 
Abi Dustin, talk about not everybody can win Tour de France, not everybody can be world champion, but I think you can dream about making top 10 Tour of Britain. You can dream about to win a stage, and that's going to be ambition. Why are you training? Why are you getting out in the cold weather? I can be ambition to make top 10 in Tour de Flanders, Paris Obe. So for sure, everybody have have ambitions, and uh, probably everybody is good at something. I remember our psychologist. We had a meeting with him. All riders sort of have to rate themselves on a scale one to ten. And most new riders coming out, you rate yourself in the team. Ten is the top, and most riders got them uh, in the best ten percent. And that, how could that be? You cannot everybody. The whole team cannot be in the top. And asking psychologists, how can it be? And he was just answer, Ian Brown, everything is good at something. Somebody is good at winning. Somebody is good at uh, making good atmosphere in the bus. Somebody is good at pulling from kilometer zero. Uh, somebody is good road captain. So end of the day, everybody's good at something. And then you start to understand how you get your motivation. Somebody doing very good job because you can never have a team full of captains. So you always create certain role for all riders. You're riding for different reasons. Somebody want to be famous. Somebody came out more about the money. But you always have to find a reason. I remember when I was young, I made Bjarne Ries, Jesper Skibi and I, we made like 10,000 euros a year. 10,000 euros a year. We were still happy. But I remember the words of my sports director. He said, uh, Brian, now you're going to marry. You have kids and you buy a house. Then you know why you're training every day <laughs> just to pay the rent and get food on the table. And of course, it's not like that anymore. Now young kids has much more money than my generation. Quite quite fast, you know, that maybe if they're smart, they can make money enough for the rest of their life. Was for sure wasn't possible in my time. And uh, so now you have to think about when you've been pro for like six, seven years and you maybe got a 10 million pound on the bank account, what are you going to do then? How are you going to keep your ambitions when you have that much money? Why are you going to risk your life in a bunch sprint? And then maybe you can say to a rider, okay, try to beat the, the record of Eddie Merckx. He won 34. Kev, you won 30. Try to beat it. That's his motivation. Always do it better. Always make history. And you always invent something you can do to a rider. But it's very important. You have your goals. And I think with the management, with the team, we're always discussing how can we motivate them and how do we make new mo- goals. And it's not necessary about being world champion, but it's important to have goals you can reach. Brian Holm. The photographer Siegfried Eggers has spent the year documenting life with Quickstep Floors for his new book, The Wolf Pack, 365 Days on the Road. I did their team pictures 10 years ago, and then I thought they will ask me again, but they thought I would call them to ask if I could do the pictures again next season. And now they asked me to, um, to do something different for them, to do the, the portraits, the official portraits. And when I was taking pictures, I took pictures in between. And I started to um, have a feeling that it could be more than just doing portraits for the website and for uh, the UCI and whatever it's used for. And uh, showing those pictures to um, the press officer and the marketing manager of the team was like, oh, maybe we should do some more. I'm going to call to Lombardi. He's also involved in uh, Colombia. Maybe you should go to Colombia and follow uh, Gaviria over there. You can go to his house. Maybe we... And before you know, 
at, by the end of January, went to Colombia, went horse riding with uh, Fernando Gaviria. So the president of Colombia and the bus taking pictures of that. Um, and then it started to grow. In the moment the, the season started in Flanders, I had already a lot of pictures that we could use. And then the publisher came along and they were really interested. The team uh, played a, a big part of supporting me. And then the result is what it is, 240 pages. You effectively did spend a whole year with the team, really? Basically, yes. Well, I have other clients as well because I'm more like a um, fashion and publicity photographer, but a huge cycling fan, so it helps. And then I had to pick races because you, sometimes you have three different teams of on three different locations racing, you have to pick one. Because that's the thing about Quickstep, isn't it? Because it's such a big and successful team. Mm -hmm. they, they're, they're racing everywhere, pretty much 365 days a year. Yeah, you can't be everywhere. Yeah. So you have to decide, okay, who do I want to follow and where am I going? Are we going to do... Am I going to Canada or am I going to start off in the, in the Vuelta? What do I do? Okay, okay, we go to Canada, and then when we come back, we go to directly to the Vuelta. And it's been the whole season like this, deciding. And sometimes you miss one, like, like, uh, like Viviani losing Gent Wevelhem. You see those images, and then you chose to be somewhere else. You're like, ah, oh, why, why, why? But you can't do it all. What was the reaction of the riders? Did they mind you being there, sort of taking pictures that weren't, you know, posed, that were just, you know, as they happened? In the beginning, it was, was for me, a bit awkward to, to go into their private space, the, the hotel room, the bus. The, the spaces where they are a bit secured from fans and the outside world, that, that they are in their little bubble. I work with little cameras, silent cameras, I don't work with the big, like, uh, noisy cameras, and it helps. So they, sometimes they don't even notice me. The writers all got the book a week ago, and they were going through it, and they were like, I didn't even know you were there. And that's the biggest compliment they can give you, that they don't notice you when you're around. Of all the pictures in the book, which one's your favourite, do you think? Ah, oh, there's one. Um, it was a, a party after a... Uh, Liège, Bastogne Liège in Ghent, where Patrick decided that everybody should have a party. You have the, the issues with whereabouts, so that had to be secured. You had planes, trains, everybody was going, and we just had a big party in Ghent in a restaurant, um, a good friend of uh, the team. And it went so wild. So crazy. I have many pictures that I can't publish. Um, they're well secured, but there's one in the book with uh, Philippe Gilbert smoking a cigar and Patrick Lefebvre sitting next to him with a glass of wine, showing his middle finger to me, and they're just smiling. There's, uh, the thing with the middle finger of uh, Patrick was whenever you shoot me and take a picture of me, I will show my middle finger. It's not about me, it's about the team. You don't have to take pictures of me. It's the rest of the team. That, that was the, the, the gimmick. It started off in January already in Colombia. And it, went, it carried on through all the season. And that's the one, because yeah, you have a rider smoking a cigar, having a glass, eating a steak. It's, it's that all together. That, and it shows 
how deep I could go into the team and what I could take pictures of. And what's the atmosphere like in the team? Because from the outside, it seems uh, quite a sort of happy team to be part of. That's the, the right description. Yeah, every team has is Sometimes it's moments that it's not that happy, happy, but especially the, the opening weekend was, uh, they were nowhere. And if you, as quick step, you want to show yourself in the opening weekend, they couldn't. And then, um, but afterwards they started winning. And it's, it's an effect that goes on and, on and it becomes bigger and bigger. And they, they go to the start line with a happy face. They okay, let's, let's play together. And they, they were, they, they, they managed to build up to a, a higher thing than just race. What do you think that's down to? Is it down to the characters of the people who run it? Because Patrick Lefebvre, um, Brian Holm, they're, they're distinct characters, aren't mm. they? They're very interesting characters. With those guys, you know that they are like a, a father figure. But if you don't behave, you will know. But if everything goes like it's supposed to go and they are so gentle with each other and they, they, they embrace everybody, they, they help everybody, that's the difference. You know just by looking at them that they are really nice guys, but don't mess with them. Or if they're also protective, if somebody from outside the team messes with one of the team, you will know. They, they are there to protect the whole pack. They're quite a photogenic team as well, aren't they? Um, Julian Alaphilippe in particular comes across well on the page. The he? moment he started to grow his beard, I was so happy for me as a photographer that it was like, wow. He became a, a movie star. He, he's like a French actor. He could play in the, the black and white pictures uh, in the, the 60s. He, he's, he's always smiling. He's really open to everybody, to, to the team, but also to the fans. He's so... Uh, you feel welcome when you're around. And a good rider as well. Phenomenal. And the Ruler Classic was full of phenomenal riders from past and present. This year's theme was the World Championships, and among the wearers of the rainbow jersey was double winner Paolo Bettini, 2006 in Salzburg and the following year in Stuttgart. I asked him what he remembered of that Salzburg victory. Ah, it's, it's the first for me, uh, the, the first uh, World Championships jersey. is arrive in one moment uh, is reality. <laughs> it's fantastic, uh, yes. Can you try to explain what the, uh, the World Championship means? Compared to your Olympic titles and other races, what does it mean to you? Uh, the, the World Championships is a, a difficult race for uh, approaching because uh, it's the, the, the race without the team. Because the team is the national team, but... Uh, the component of the team uh, is not the normal guys for the for, for whole season for the uh, the team of the uh, the season. It's, it's difficult to, to construct the team in all, only in one week. In uh, one week, is ne necessary to uh, perform all. Uh, is uh, particularly uh, when uh, all is uh, good when. Uh, uh, arrive at the moment uh, uh, when all part of the team, the, the national team, 
is uh, very motivated, very strong for uh, support uh, in the race. Uh, yes, uh, it's possible one. Uh, it's a fantastic day. And of course, you went on to win it the following year in, in Stuttgart. And sometimes people talk about the, the curse of the World Championship jersey, that you know, you'd never have a good season afterwards, but uh, wearing the jersey. But you did. You went and won it uh, the next year as well. Uh, yeah, I, I, the last time uh, when I, I ever uh, proved to win, to won the World Championships in 2001 in Lisbon, and after in 2003 and 2004, I, I, I don't know, I did, no, it's not possible to win a, a World Championships. And after 2006, 2007, bam, bam. Two, two here, uh, two year uh, with the uh, rainbow jersey. So, uh, <laughs> if uh, it's true, uh, 2006 is uh, the rave, the day uh, before the race is the rave, and uh, Sunday night is uh, the reality, is uh, the uh, fantastic day. Oh, in uh, Stuttgart, uh, uh, when I take the start, uh, I did, yes, I, uh, I have just won uh, my world championships today i have nothing i have uh, only a possibility to uh, another here with the, this jersey is a beautiful jersey oh, cool. <laughs> so you believed in yourself yeah, in, yeah. in stuttgart yeah. yeah well of course away from the world championships and the olympics you were a great classics rider as well um Liege, Baston Liege, Milan San Remo, Classico San Sebastian, uh, Giro Lombardia. Of all those races, which are the one, which is the one that you think of most fondly? For me, is very particularly the Olympic game. Is uh, another question. <laughs> For the big classic, uh, I think uh, Milan San Remo uh, is the first of the the season. Is uh, uh, the most difficult uh, interpretation for the race is uh, in the Giro di Lombardia, Paris-Roubaix, uh, other big classic, it's possible to uh, one, two, three, four guys, six guys, uh, the favorite, no? In Milan Sanremo is 15, 20, is, uh, uh, is good for the... Uh, the sprinter is good for the classic, classic man, is good for Nibali, is good for the uh, Grand Tour man, is uh, very, very lottery, is fantastic. But Liege, Beston Liege and Milan San Remo are both very hard races, aren't they? Uh, Liege, Beston Liege is uh, the, the most hard, it's very, very hard. Uh, for, for me, it's uh, the, the, the first big, uh, big classic in 2000. For me, is the race changed my mentality for approaching in the in the big classic. Uh, I, I remember uh, the, the Monday uh, when I look uh, the uh, the press, the, the the journal, the TV. Bettini won uh, Liege Baston Liege. Oh, I look me in the I did okay. I I won the Liege Baston Liege. It's possible to win all. 
<laughs> Paolo Bettini. Beryl Burton was also a double world road champion in 1960 and 1967, just two of her unmatched collection of titles and records. She joined Eddie Merckx and Ernesto Colnago as the first inductees to the Ruler Hall of Fame. Beryl died in 1996, but her daughter Denise, herself an extremely impressive bike racer, accepted on her behalf. What would her mother have made of the award? I won't say she'd be surprised because she knew that she was good and everything like that, but, but she would be taken aback. She would be, she would be very honoured at being, you know, being on there and especially amongst, alongside Eddie Merckx because he's like the Eddie, isn't he? The cannibal is like, wow. So, yeah, she would, have, she would have really liked it. She would. She was a contemporary of Eddie's, actually, wasn't yes, she? Yeah, Racing at yes, the same time. Yes, they were, yeah, yeah. Isn't there a picture of her with Eddie when they were both world champions? Possibly, possibly. If somebody's got it, they can send me it if they want. <laughs> I mean, I guess the inevitable question is, what was it like, and you must have been asked this so many times, what was it like growing up with, with Beryl as a, as a mother? Well, it was very different from most families. All my friends, you know, it's totally different. It was quite tough in a way, and, and I was brought up quite tough because that, that's what cyclists are, really. The household was cycling through and through. Not a lot else, really. I mean, parents worked, but it was cycling and cycling, racing, going to races every weekend. And everything, including your father, geared around yeah, helping your mother's racing. Yeah, everything was around my mum, yes. Yeah, because, um, I mean, my dad would go to work and then on the evening he'd be back in the garage and doing the bikes and he was an ace mechanic, so... And everything had to be perfect, which, you know, it needed to be anyway. And, um, yeah, everything was around my mum. She loved cycling, but she was quite regimented and determined and she had her ways of doing things. So the house was like everything had its place and everything had to be in its place because if things were just so, it would be, I would imagine it would get a little bit, not confusing, but... You know, it would be more difficult to focus on what she needed to do, and she was very, very focused. So everything had to be focused. Everything on the was focused on on yeah, training, racing, eating the right foods, yeah. <laughs> and was it inevitable that you were going to be a cyclist as well? I think it was really because I mean. Um, Right from being born, I was taken in a little sidecar and then on a seat and then on a ram trailer, if anybody knows what they are, and, and then on my own bike by the time I was about nine or ten. And that was our mode of transport because the car, we did have a car by then, but the car was to take you to events to race. <laughs> it's like, so anything else, you went on a bike. Bike or walked, and of course a bike's quicker. And, and you weren't just a cyclist, you were an extremely good cyclist. You won the uh, Pursuit title in 75 and 76. And then, of course, uh, infamously, you won the national championships did, in 1976. Yeah. And yeah. tell us the, your side of events, as it were, because, of course, whenever this is mentioned, it's mentioned that your mother refused to shake your hand yeah, on the podium. Yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah, strange. <laughs> I don't know. But it had started, I don't know, it was in Yorkshire, you see. And we're, we're really quite... 
passionate about being Yorkshire and we both wanted to win like anybody who entered would have wanted to win but we were quite you know we really did want to win and um, you both wanted we, to win we both wanted to win so I got that when we got in the car to go to the event that morning I was told I couldn't go in the car so I started riding out on my bike um, and I got halfway to Harrogate because we lived about 25 miles away but you know I nothing bothered me in those days so I just thought oh it's a good warm up so I started riding there and then my dad came back for me in the car Um, and then I won you see so it was a bit upsetting for my mum and I don't think she really knew why she did it you know she just didn't know she was so geared up and um, focused and determined and, and wanted to win and then she didn't. You see, I out-sprinted her, so... It was the heat of the moment. Heat of the moment, and she probably regretted it forever after, you know. But it's just one of those things, yeah. How long did it take to sort of sort out? How long was it before things were back to normal with you and your mum? Um, I don't think it ever was, really. I, I mean, when I say it wasn't, she, she was a difficult woman to get on with anyway when she was racing, so it was a it's it was a a difficult family atmosphere anyway because we were both top competitors, um, and it was hard to cope with. But yeah, you know, we we never really spoke about it afterwards. We just kind of let it slide by. I mean, it didn't matter to me because I'd won. So <laughs> it's like <laughs> I didn't need a I'm sorry or anything. You know, I just it, just got passed by in terms of the sort of support that both you and uh, i guess your mother as well in, in particular got from british cycling in those days i mean it was a very different world was it very Completely different, different world. world yeah i'm glad to say it's as it is now more it it was yeah you you rode your bike you trained you, there was no national help or anything like that if you got chosen to be to go to the world championships which we both did that was because you were kind of nearly the best in your country. So you automatically got selected. But you quite often you made your own way to wherever the, you know, Heathrow Airport and things like that. There was no support in the fact of, um, you know, nutritional support or um, talking to people if you're going through um, a, a difficult period, in you know, and... and there was nobody to talk with or help you. Um, you were completely on your own, really. You know, you had my mum had my dad, and uh, I had my dad, I suppose, as well. But yeah, very, very difficult. Yeah. And the World Championships in Yorkshire yeah, next year. Yeah, I know. Can't wait for that. It's brilliant. Gosh, wouldn't it been lovely if it had been years ago? But we finally got it. <laughs> yeah. So, time once again to uh, catch up with uh, Ruler Desire Editor, Stuart Clapp, and for once, he's not at the end of a telephone line, he's uh, here with me in the bar of the Ruler Classic. Very appropriate, I'd have thought, Stuart. Yeah, absolutely, although I'm feeling a little bit fatigued um, from uh, last night's festivities, I think I'd I'd, I'd go so far as to say. I went, I went off of the, a block beer, which was our sponsor, and uh, started on the red wine, which gave me a bit of a red wine headache this morning. My, my little boy came in at seven. Uh, kids don't appreciate it. They, 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 they need, they need to give, give me a little bit of time. 
So apart from the uh, drinking in the bar, what have been the other highlights of the uh, Ruler Classic? In terms of kit, we've, act- we've got that um, Philippe Pantone romance bike here. Uh, that It's actually done on a specialised LA sprint. And um, when they were... They brought it in yesterday. It had just been valued at Sotheby's for £37,000. And then we had to take it away and uh, get it shot. Uh, so no pressure. Uh, don't, don't drop it. Uh, I mean, if, that wouldn't be cool. There are some nice bits of kit here as well, aren't there? There always is, but this year just seems particularly good. Uh, I've actually had a look at that, um, the new Cervelo S5 up close, which I wouldn't normally have picked it as one of them, but I, I, the, they, I've got chatting to one of the designers, and with Cervelo, it's sort of... That, that bike, I don't know how many, how many different versions they've had of it so far, but they... Um, these aero bikes aren't necessarily designed for comfort but these guys actually did comfort first and then looked at aerodynamics after which has improved that that bike i believe um and then it's got that the, the you know that the, the the stem bar and stem thing that looks like the starship enterprise uh which is quite interesting there's a lot of um, gravelly and cross bikes some of them um, which look absolutely lovely they are, and I'm, I'm coming round to this. I mean, uh, I don't know how many gravel roads I've got in my part of Essex. We've got a beach, though. Uh, maybe we'll just ride it down the beach with, with, some, with some balloon tyres on. Um, but uh, they, they, this all-road thing that, uh, that, that seems to be happening is really happening. Um, which, yeah, there's, there's, there's been a few. I did actually see the, the Focus cross bike that, that's up, up there, which looks... Really fancy, and it, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's quite a lot. There, there's a lot out there. And uh, you've been hanging with the stars as well. Yeah, yeah. I, right, okay. So let me level with you. At the Real Classic, I've, I've done this for a couple of years and, and, and worked in cycling for a while. And there is a bit of a thing, uh, never meet your heroes, right? Everyone at Ruler is a fan, and that's, that's, that's essentially why we do this. And, and I, I'm not a brain surgeon, um, but um, it's really lovely to meet your idols, and I'm privileged, and I feel r- really blessed, you know, really lucky to be able to do that. And um, I'll tell you what, Mark Cavendish is an absolute legend. And, uh, and Basso is as good-looking in real life as he is... Uh, in, 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 in the pictures that I've got covering my bedroom wall. Everyone seems to have a bit of a soft spot for Ivan Basso, actually, don't you? Um, yeah, he can't understand a word I say, because apparently I speak too fast. But, um, but he, uh, I spotted him across a crowded room last night, and it, it, it felt like a scene from a movie. Um, but, yeah, it was... Um, yes, it, I, just met, I just met Roger de Vlaminck, uh, who's... I just met Roger de Vlaminck as well. He's a bit scary. Uh, yeah, I was, I was going to do a Kenny impression, but I'll leave... Uh, more, right? um, but yeah, um, it's yeah. He's he is uh, well. He's an icon, isn't he? You know, the one disadvantage of doing this in the bar is that I can't fade you out. Well, you, we could try. Uh, you, just just send me off. Send me to the bar. Hang on, I'll go and get him in. And we never saw him again. But you can see him anytime now in a new video series from Rouleur. Think of it as a podcast with pictures. Also featuring in the first edition, David Miller and Pippa York. It's hosted by Matt Stevens and it's called Chat Stevens. Online soon and the podcast will be back soon with more cycling discussion and more world champions. Catch you then.
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.